1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
2: Support for this show comes from InterVarsity Press and their new book, Hurting Yet Whole, by Luan Huska. Speaking from the author's own experience with chronic pain, this book helps us redefine what it means to find healing and wholeness, even in the midst of ongoing suffering. Learn more about the book and get your copy of Hurting Yet Whole at ivpress.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Robin Moreno, is a certified yoga teacher, trained life coach, Emmy-nominated TV host, and practicing curandera, a Mexican folk healer. She's the author of three books, Practically Posh, Smart Girl's Guide to a Glam Life, Suave, The Latin Male, and Borderline Personalities, A New Generation of Latinas, Dish on Sex, Sass, and Cultural Shifting. Her next book, Get Rooted, is due out in 2022, and that focuses on her work as a curandera, as a healer. I don't see how the other books fit into the new books, but we're going to find out in just a moment. She's also spoken at the Obama White House, Sundance Film Festival, and South by Southwest Interactive. Our conversation is going to focus on her work as a healer. And Robin Moreno, welcome to Essential Conversations
1: thank you so much for having me.
2: You are welcome. I'm very interested in what we're going to be talking about, but I got to ask you, how did you get from the Latin male and Latina's dish on sex, sex, <laughs> and cultural shifting to the work you're doing as a healer?
1: Um, well, you know, it, did, it might sound super disparate, but it is a part of a journey of being really a storyteller. So first and foremost. Um, I am a curandera uh, which is could be is called a Mexican folk healer traditionally that's the sort of translation but you know there's different ways to heal there's just different modalities somebody might be a curandera that is an herbalist or somebody might be a curandera that's a masseuse or a curandera that like is a midwife and so I believe that my biggest gift is that of storytelling and so I just didn't know that I had been on the path for a long time. I was in women's magazines and a journalist for a long time and always really a lot worked in the Latinx space, really interested in identity, but also lifestyle, um, health and wellness, which I think does all converge. Um, but it really wasn't until I had what I would consider maybe a, a personal spirit, crisis of spirit Um, that healing and wellness really became centered for me.
2: And the crisis in spirit was
1: you know, I was just burnout. out. I mean, I guess that sounds dramatic, right? I had a crisis of spirit, but you know, it, it was, it was deeper than a burnout, right? So a lot of people that might be listening could understand it in a way. It looked very sort of like a rom-com, right? It was like cool woman with little kids is, you know, trying to do it all. And I was running an organization that was a Latina media company. I live outside of New York city. So I was commuting four hours in one day, I would wake up, I would get my kids ready, grab my coffee, you know, get in the car, throw them off at daycare, run in high heels, throw myself in the train, end up, you know, in the bustling city of Manhattan, and work like a maniac and then go home, try to make it home for bedtime, didn't always make it and was really doing that thing where I was really busy. I was overwhelmed. I wasn't really centering health and wellness, even though, the, in, though in my background, I, I am a yoga teacher uh, and you know have Reiki certifications and things like that. It was like, I was so busy. I was forgetting all the important things. Um, and I just started to get like, just, I don't know, more stressed and more stretched thin to the point that I just didn't feel good. And I call it a crisis of spirit because underneath all of that, because that's very relatable, right? Just someone that's just trying to do it all and not really striking a good work-life balance. Um, I just had a lot of personal things in my life, like close family members were struggling. I, I think was struggling emotionally. And even though I had grown up um, in the Catholic church, I had moved away um, from traditional Catholicism and maybe kind of gone to more like Eastern ways, like meditation, but still was feeling just lost. Like if you just asked me, you know, in the midst of all this busyness, how do you feel? I, I still felt really lost. And so um, th- this this lostness, I guess a dark night of the soul kind of thing, um, really put me on the path.
2: And the path is very different than the path you are on. I mean... I, 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 I'm getting exhausted just listening to you getting up <laughs> early in the morning and you know, running to work and coming back late and, and all of that. You, you really did switch everything around uh, to take up this path of, of a healer. How much do you think the healing path, not your personal experience with it, but the, in, in general, how much of it is antithetical to the modern lifestyle?
1: Well, you know, it's very antithetical, right? And what happened is, say we're talking about paths, right? So if we have the the image, when you were talking, I, had, I really had an image of like a diverging path, right? I'd say that I was on a path um, of busy, of busy uh, ambition, right? Ambition, achievement, busy. Um, and I was on this path and I was running, right? And I did a lot of things. You know, you gave me a very glowing bio at the beginning, which I earned and I'm super proud of. Um, but it was kind of like this boss life, right? Like I was, I was bossing and I wasn't kind of, I was running, I was running. And so what happened is because I, if you stay with the metaphor, I say fell, right? I I, I fell, right? I found myself on the, you know, on the path, you know, I decided I need to slow down, right? Like, and, and I was a real conscious, like, this is not working for me. Like I need to get off this path because this path is not healthy, this path is not making me happy. This path is actually, it's, it's, I'm sad. Like I, I'm, 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 I'm actually fundamentally weirdly, even though so many things were really, really, really good. I still felt that there was something missing and I had, you know, I, I just, I couldn't ignore it. I just could not ignore that. And so I had to consciously choose to say, crawl to this other way, right? Towards the light, whatever metaphors we use, right? Um, and it's it's so important because we don't live in a society that honors that. We don't honor slowing down. We don't honor switching gears. We don't honor being lost. The first question people ask you is, what do you do, right? Like, right when you set me up, you show what I've done, quote, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's just how we work, right? But it's it was about not doing, and it was about like really not doing and actually going back and and trying to maybe even undo some things that had been done a long time ago. Um, and so what, what was what called to me to, because I did have a calling, is I was called to begin to study an earth-based wisdom tradition that my great-grandmother had actually practiced. It's called curanderismo. It's a Mesoamerican 500-year-old Wisdom tradition um, that talks about balance and that talks about, you know, connection with the earth and connection with self and connection with people. And I had always known about my grandmother, but I just didn't value or pay attention until I almost did every other thing, right? Like yoga and life coaching and Reiki and eight day silent, you know, retreats. And it it just wasn't working. And I then began to hear this call you know, this really call. And that's when I got lured onto this, what you would call, I guess, this other, this other path of healing. And I became a healer because I needed to heal myself.
2: Right. Which is true for lots of people. I'm thinking that a lot of people who are in high pressure jobs, who are, you know, on that racing lifestyle path, you know, they do yoga, they go on retreats, they all in an attempt to moderate the stress so they can keep doing what they're doing. Uh, but not have it be as unhealthy as it could be. But when you're talking about, you know your great-grandmother, she didn't live that lifestyle. I mean She wasn't putting on high heels and racing to the subway. That wasn't her experience. How much of this healing work is depends on the kind of lifestyle that was lived several generations ago. And how difficult is it to bring that? Into the 21st century?
1: So, I think that's a beautiful and astute point. And I think that it's really true, right? And so, there's a difference. And I think I I should state it now, right? I was one of those women, right? Like, I was one of those women that, like, kind of worked hard, played hard, you know, would work, you know, intensely. And then, yeah, okay, I'm going to go to Tulum for five days and do like a yoga retreat and come back and feel really good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's super awesome. But Mine was deeper. It was a little deeper. And honestly, it was a little bit darker because there was a reason. That's the thing, right? When you dig a little deep, it's like, you know, okay, what's really going on here? The reason I was on this path is because I had, I had this unresolved childhood trauma that I had never dealt with. And so I was looking for other things to make me feel good and valued. And so when I went on this path, it wasn't just about relaxation or breathing, although those are portals and those are important. It was like, I actually had an unresolved trauma that I needed to really deal with. And I'd been looking outside myself. Everything was always outside of myself. The achievement was outside of myself. The worth was outside of myself. And even the the methodologies to fix this thing was outside of myself or these, you know, they, they weren't necessarily mine. Um, even though you can certainly appreciate yoga and all of these things, which I really truly do, but there was something much deeper and different than when I realized that I was sitting on my own gold, so to speak. And I began to follow the thread, or maybe like the crumbs that my grandma had left for me. That's what my great grandmother. That's how I felt. I was like, "Ha, huh, this feels different." And so when I started studying guerendismo, I did start to heal myself. I did start to slow down. I did start to learn plant medicine. I did start to learn you know, or really, uh, merge like things I'd learned like breath work and, and healing and energy work. But it was also a reclaiming. It was a reclaiming of old ways, right? Old traditions, old medicines and old ways of being, which include slowing down, which include being present, which include, like not having necessarily an agenda. And for someone who's always had goals and agendas, that was revolutionary.
2: So, so let me ask you if you can tell us a little bit about, about sure. this this childhood trauma that you're carrying around and, and also how current Durismo, I don't know if you want to say healed, but helped you deal with that.
1: Yeah, no, it really did. It, it really, really did. And, I, and maybe this can, hopefully p- other people can relate to this. So when I was 13 years old, my dad died of pancreatic cancer, and he died really fast because um, pancreatic cancer is a very late stage diagnosed cancer. So by the time you have the symptoms, it's really far gone. Um, and so what had happened is, bless his heart, he was like having a lot of stomach issues and was losing weight, couldn't figure it out. And they they misdiagnosed it, for, I would say, for a few months. And then they then went in and figured out what it was. It was like, oh my gosh, like this is not, this It's probably like a doctor's nightmare, right? It's a nightmare just across the board. And so they didn't tell my dad that he was terminal. They told my mom, I think they wanted to maybe give him hope. And so they, but they went to my mom and said, your husband has less than one year to live. Like we give him a year. And my mom was just, I can't, I can't even imagine getting that news, right? Like she has four kids. She's 40. Her husband's 46 like it it was just, it's unfathomable. And, and he died nine months later, 260 days later. Um, and we didn't have the cultural or maybe I would say it was culture. We just didn't have the resources to, to say, Oh, you should go to therapy. You should go to like grief counseling. Like we didn't know how to do that. My mom just didn't know how to do that. And so, um, what we did is we like wore black and went to school and just moved on. And we like, you know, we survived, right? And my mom worked really hard and she had, a, you know, she she hustled. She was a single mom with four flipping kids. And so the consequence of that is that I then began to achieve and to try to be really good. I didn't want to give my mom any trouble because she was so, she was sad. She was busy. And so I really, I assumed this identity and really solidified an identity of being self-driven of being really motivated, of achieving because it would make my mom happy and I would get outward approval. And so I did these things. And I was also honestly, like, I was a good kid. I was smart, you know, I was lucky. Um, It's just that these survival skills worked for a long time until they didn't. And so what happened is when I got older and I was having, you know, whatever, burnout, midlife crisis, whatever one would call it, I started studying curanderismo and I was reading a book. And there's not really, weirdly, a lot of books on curanderismo. A lot, of, a lot of them are very, like, anthropological or sociological. They're, like, academic and they're not really fun to read. But there was one great book um, called Woman Who Glows in the Dark. And it was about this Mexican-American nurse who became a curandera. And she tells it in a really nice narrative. And in this book, she talks about this condition called susto. That's S-U-S-T-O. And it's soul loss. And she defined it. And she said, you know, you have this thing called the soul loss. Something happens to you and your soul either leaves or it freezes because you're you're traumatized. It's like post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And so um, I realized that's it. Like, And she goes, and you feel like incomplete and you feel like no matter what you do, something's missing. And I had always felt like that, but I kept trying to fill it with like achievement or you know, I was always a seeker. Like I, I had two yoga certifications. I did life coach training. I went on eight day silent retreats. Like I did landmark four. I'm like, I did ayahuasca. Like I was looking, but it just, it didn't ever fill. But when I saw susto, I was like, that's it. That's what I have. I have susto, you know? And so the way that you have, you cure a soul loss is you do soul retrieval. You 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 call yourself back, right? You you go back to like that thirteen year old kid who froze when her dad died, and you 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 work with that, and you call yourself back, and you begin to have more of a sense of completion. And so through curanderismo, I did make my way back, but also studying curanderismo was a soul retrieval because this was my ancient medicine that I had really discarded because I for the name of assimilation and wanting to fit in, you know, my family, even though my great grandmother was a curandera, my grandma wasn't, my mom wasn't, my aunts couldn't tell you anything about it. I don't even really speak great Spanish. And this is a process that people can relate to. As you become assimilated, you leave things, your family sacrifices things because they want you to achieve, to fit in, to be better. But there's a consequence to the sacrifice. And so I was like, and part of this soul retrieval was reclaiming this medicine. Um, and it has been beautiful.
0: Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through twenty-six. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
2: So, so Robin, let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Sure. So your dad gets sick. Yes we're talking great grandmother was a healer mm-hmm. a, a curandera and then her daughter had no connection to it mm-hmm. uh, her granddaughter had no connection to it so nobody thought to to have your dad see a healer right other than
1: Western you know medicine. you know no so you know what had happened which is again this is part of it is that so well this is also interesting so my gra- my great grandmother actually had my grandfather and so he, it was, and I don't know, because he's passed away. So I have never asked him if why he, if he was just not interested or what was happening. But apparently he was not interested in small right? Even though his, his mom was, like his mom must have done these things, right? Like rub eggs and rub, you know, all of these things. And so he knew, but he, I think part of his assimilation is that he just Thought that that was old fashioned, and he wanted just to be really Americanized, right? And so, what also happened is that religion is 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 different, right? Gurudarismal is it's not really a religion; it's 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 a wisdom tradition. You know, it's just, it's spiritual; it's very spiritual. Gurudharas believe that we work with spirit; it's not me doing it; spirit's working for, through me. right? So there's a real big sense of spirit but it's not an organized religion and so i think what happens in modern society is that people move towards whatever it is you know i don't know christianity or catholicism or I, I can't speak to judaism but and they move away from what they think is i don't even know i mean i don't witchcraft or something and so when my dad was sick what they did is they prayed and i really do believe in the power of prayer i'm a big believer in prayer but to my knowledge they did not try to do anything with curandarismo.
2: I just want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, InterVarsity Press, and their new book, "Hurting Yet Whole, by Leon Huska, for supporting this episode of Essential Conversations. Speaking from the author's own experience with chronic pain, this book helps us redefine what it means to find healing and wholeness, even in the midst of ongoing suffering. Learn more about the book and get your copy of "Hurting Yet Whole at IVpress.com. So given that, you mentioned that, you know, for you, it was like reclaiming old ways. Yeah. And, and I may be just sort of romanticizing this.
0: Sure, sure, but sure.
2: I have a feeling that your susto, right, your soul loss. Yeah. Was part of being... In this lineage that was broken, yeah, you know, the, your great grandmother had it, and then no one else did, and so you eventually inherited this this soul loss. You lost your real, not just your personal soul, but your I don't know what 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 would we say your your, yeah, your like Mexican soul,
0: yeah, like yeah, yeah ancestral, like
2: your right? yeah, and your
1: so ancestral now you're
2: reclaiming soul. that uh, by becoming this healer. How much of this When you do the healing work or when you were training to do the healing work, do you have a sense that you are tapping into slash channeling generations that had gone silent because your grandfather wasn't interested in his mother's healing work?
1: You're completely, you're completely right. And there's been, I've had, so I have had spiritual instances where I have felt presences and I have felt like communing with my grandmother, I have an altar. And in, in Spanish, another in word for altar is a mesa. And that means a table. And the idea is you set up the table so your ancestors can come be with you and talk to you. Right. And so like, if you could imagine like the metaphorical table, like, right, we're going to break bread and we're going to talk. And so I have an altar that I have pictures of my great grandmother. Her name's Mama Natalia. I have pictures of my dad, I have pictures of the ancient ones, and I ask them to call me. I, I ask them to come in. I call on them. I meditate, and I ask them to come be with me. And so it is part of the work. And And I think that that was a very astute, and I really felt that in my body when you talked about, you know, this, an ancestral sustel, because I think that you're exactly right. I think that there, generationally, so much has been lost with different different cultures, Right. Um, And I felt that deeply, what I thought was, you know, just a burnout was much, much deeper. It was, I was missing my people. I was missing my medicine. I was missing my voice. I was missing my name. I was missing like my truth. I was missing my story and I'm a storyteller, you know, and I had, and I didn't, I didn't have all the stories.
2: Yeah. That's what, that's what was coming to me while you were, while you were talking about that. I, we're going to, have to wrap this up in a couple of minutes. And I have one serious question to ask yeah. you in order to do that. But before I ask you that question, you mentioned something that if I let it go by people and go, what was she talking about? Rub eggs? What oh, yes, mean? yes, yes.
1: So that's, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I sometimes assume people know what I'm talking about. And so a lot of work that I do is energy clearing. And so a tool that I use, I use a lot of fresh herbs So say you came to see me or someone, this is very common. Someone will come to see me and they could have had a bad day. They could have had a a really weird interaction. They could have had a breakup. They could have lost their job. They're ready for a transition or change. And so I move energy at what I, I call like moving the winds, right? Like I'm blowing the winds, I'm moving things. And so one tool that I use a lot is an egg. An egg is considered a wind energy because there's a space between the shell and the yolk.
2: Then what do you do with the egg?
1: Well, you can, you could open it and you could read it, uh, which people do. And that's a whole other thing. But also I just tell people to bury it.
2: Okay. You don't eat it.
1: No. <laughs> 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 I, I, that's exactly what you don't do is you don't that's eat
2: right. it. <laughs> that's right. You just collected all that negativity and then you make an omelet out of it.
1: No, yeah. no, 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 no. You, you go and you bury it.
2: All right. Let me ask you my last sure, question. Because sure, sure. we're, we're doing this interview in the middle of this pandemic. And you're doing all this healing work, and I'm just I'm curious in 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 uh, the things you've written that I've read, you talk about four paths to being rooted. You know, one of them is don't don't live in your head. Get your emotions out of your body is number two. Having a sense of community, and mm-hmm. I and I imagine that means more than just. Facebook friends, but maybe even this this lineage community, because I think so many people have been cut off from their lineages, yes. the way you were. And then the notion of of God and nature, not not this necessarily supernatural uh, God, but but some other earth honoring uh, understanding of deity. How how do you would you take those and apply it to people who say, look, I am, I, I am suffering great trauma mm. because it's in the ether. It's just in the in the cultural atmosphere. So if someone comes to you with that, or just knowing that our listeners may be suffering from that, what can you offer the people who are listening, something simple they might be able to do, even if it's, you know, rubbing an egg over their friend?
1: (laughs) Well, they, um, the egg works, the egg works, but, um, you know, the, the Aztecs, they had a saying, right? It was, and it's, it was a saying that we would use like something else, sort of like a pithy thing. But what they said is that the world is slippery slick right? But it, it was a, it was a slippery place. It was a place that you could, you know, be walking and you could be good and be happy. And then a pandemic comes and boom, like you slip and you fall. Right. And so we know this to be true. Like the world can be slippery. Things happen. They they do. Right. But the, the good news is that there was an antidote to that. And that was a, a Nahuatl word. It's Nahuatl. Um That's called Nitzlitzli. And that meant to be well-rooted. And so like you said, they had four paths to being well-rooted and you you said them and they're all, and they're all great because they're all super accessible. So like you said, the first one is being in your body, not being in your head, right? Like not over worried or over anxious, but you know, exercising, literally exercising, moving, dancing, getting a massage, something that brings you back into your body that helps um, ground you and root you. Because if you think we talked about susto, you, when you fly away with trauma, you're gone, right? You're, 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 it's an out-of-body experience. You're not there. So what you want to do is you really, really be in your body, right? So just say you choose to exercise. Another one is that emotional, when you're imbalanced and you're too overstressed or you're scroomed, like uh, doom scrolling or you're reading too much news, stop that. And I tell my clients over and out. So anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, overstressed, over anxious, get that emotion out of your body, feel it. But, but, move it. And so, through the outbreath, through journaling, I think is really good. You know, the third path to rootedness was connection, was community. And I think that it's important to remember, and this right now, we're really disconnected, right? We can't touch people. We can't see people. We can't go we have to be six feet apart. and blah, blah, blah. we're feeling very disconnected. You know, one of the root words of community is the word common. And what common means is that we're in right relation with each other. That means that, I help you, and I also allow myself to be helped. And I think that not enough people ask for help, especially leaders, especially women who are used to caring a lot. They're not used to asking for help because maybe they're seeing people, they have it worse, right? You know, they think, oh, someone else has COVID and they lost their job and I'm good over here, but they're very overburdened with just stress or kids or life. And so they don't dare ask for help, ask for the help ask for the help that you need because it's super important. Um, And the last path was nature. It was um, the Aztecs, they worshiped the sun and the moon and the wind, and that was spirit. And so taking a walk, opening a window, watering your plants, whatever you can do to to access nature, it's an instant connection and portal to the divine.
2: Okay. So if people aren't locked in their homes, maybe they can can do some of these. Yeah, go out and take a walk. All right, this has really been fascinating. Our guest today was Robin Moreno. You can learn more about her work at her website, robinmoreno.com. Robin, thanks so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations.
1: This was really fun, thank you so much.
2: Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. You can also follow me on Spirituality and Health's website where I now write a regular column called Roadside Musings. And don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. Support for this show comes from InterVarsity Press and their new book, Hurting Yet Whole by Luan Huska. Speaking from the author's own experience with chronic pain, this book helps us redefine what it means to find healing and wholeness, even in the midst of ongoing suffering. Learn more about the book and get your copy of Hurting Yet Whole at ivpress.com. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano, and our executive producer is Catherine Drury Wagner. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for
0: listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die.